0: Welcome to SHINE, a child and youth development podcast, brought to you by Catalyst Family Inc. I am Valerie Kelly, and with me is my co-host, Allie Ladio. If you are a parent, teacher, or work in a
1: childcare setting, our podcast is for you. On SHINE, we interview experts in child and youth development, share helpful parenting resources and advice, and provide you with inspiring stories as well as practical advice for supporting your family, community, classroom, and beyond.
0: Thank you for tuning into this episode of SHINE, inspiring conversations around children, family, and early child development.
1: My guest today is Mary Van Geffen. Mary is an international parenting coach for highly competent but overwhelmed moms of strong-willed and spicy children. Mary helps parents gain confidence to choose gentle, respectful parenting, even if they weren't raised that way. And the result is a more connected and calm family. Mary is a Certified Simplicity Parenting Counselor and a Certified Professional coactive Coach. Welcome, Mary. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
2: I'm so glad to be here.
1: I am particularly excited to be talking to you because I have really leaned on your teachings over the course of this crazy time in the past year. I found you on Instagram. And sometimes when things are getting a little crazy with the girls, I just think, what would Mary do? <laughs> and it really does help me. Um, sometimes I'll go to your Instagram specifically for a little guidance and sanity. So thank you so much for that.
2: Well, my pleasure. I feel like I've been able to really be a part of people's pandemic parenting and it's been an honor.
1: Yes, it's been it's definitely a value to many of us. So thank you. So could you share for our listeners a little bit about what a parenting coach does? I haven't specifically worked with one before, besides, of course, uh, using your Instagram on a daily basis.
2: <laughs> well, the the good news is you you working with a parenting coach is literally getting on the phone. Usually, it's FaceTime, um, and saying this is what I want out of my family and it's not there. And then what parents wish it was is like, okay, great. Here are the three steps. Now your child's going to do exactly what you want. But usually we get to a little deeper place of figuring out like what why is this so challenging for you? So um we there's concrete like you know, you want to enjoy being with your child more, you want more cooperation, less nose. Of course, you, most clients want to figure out how do I stay calm and in control of myself? Because we all intuitively know that there are times when we make it worse. Um, and so, yeah, we, most of my clients, it's they sign up for three months and every two weeks we get on the phone and we work through kind of the parent they want to be. And then with very concrete, like, here's what you're going to work on um, this technique. And then we we allow some failure, but there's real transformation when someone else is walking along the road with you in your parenting.
1: That sounds wonderful. That sounds like something that absolutely every parent I know could utilize, including myself. Um, and I did hear that you give a free sample of your coaching before people dive in. So that seems really generous.
2: Yeah, it's kind of, that's my ministry. So any mom or dad out there who wants to brainstorm for 30 minutes, I don't sell you, I don't pitch anything, um, but I am going to make you pick something very specific that you want to either make stop happening in your home or uh, some some place that you want to improve and we'll work through it. I'll give you homework and a week later, you, we can lock in the learnings and that is complimentary and um, there's no obligation to to continue
1: That's really wonderful. So I'll I'll make sure we share with our listeners on how they can get in touch with you for that. So thank you. Um, So I'd love to dive in. I'm so excited about what we're talking about today, Um, doing less to have more cooperation and connection in your family. I think everyone's looking towards this fresh new year with a fresh start and hopefully a lot of hope. So it seems like a really wonderfully relevant topic that I'm excited to dive in on. Um, so let's just start with acknowledging how hard of a time this has been for families. We already mentioned it a little bit. Families are incredibly overwhelmed right now, very stressed. Um, it's been a trying time for everyone, but especially working families, parents that are used to having their kids in childcare or school and that's having to having to pivot with those plans what should families do during this stressful time to get more cooperation and peace from their children?
2: Well, I think the first step, and and this comes from a great book called Simplicity Parenting by Kim John Payne, is be very aware of your metaphor, Um, the, the kind of the story you're telling yourself about your child and about yourself. For instance, I think most kids are going through a soul fever right now. And that's very different than, oh, my kid is trying to drive me crazy. Like, let me ask you this, Allie, if your child's having a physical fever, they've got, they've got like 101, they're sneezing. How do you show up for them?
1: Just 100% being there for them. The fever is always such a delicate time. So I'll hold them, I'll comfort them. And just, yeah, do whatever's needed for them to feel better.
2: Yeah. And it sounds to me like you're leaning into them and I bet you even use a softer voice and you slow things down, maybe got to cancel a few things or give more grace than you normally would and kind of understand like, oh, they're in pain. Right. And that's the same posture that I want you to use with your child and yourself during this stressful time in history. So, instead of resisting sort of that heck no energy that a lot of us can have and are you kidding me you're acting up again instead I want you to see it as your child is having a soul fever and that is something to lean towards in and to soften your voice just even soften your eyes if you can so yeah be aware of your metaphor.
1: I love that and I feel like I'm just doing it a little bit as you talk, I'm like practicing. <laughs> um, that's, that's wonderful. So how do you know if your child has a soul fever? How do you know if your child is really in deep in that space and needs that extra support from you?
2: Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it can just be they're in a developmentally appropriate disequilibrium where they're sort of two steps forward and a step backwards. And you're like, why are they th- sucking their thumb again? Or um, what's all this crying? So the way I would look at it is it's a cumulative stress reaction and they've been under a lot of stress. You know, they, they haven't had so many of the things that, um, seem like normalcy and they've had very stressed adults in their life. So it can look like sort of knee jerk reactions, like a trigger to anger or to upset where everything is, is a huge problem. Um, it can be, um, very clingy, or it can be, um, they're isolating themselves. And and some of this is very dependent on the age of the child. And I, I think today, are we mostly talking about zero to seven, or are we just talking about all of it?
1: I think we can, we can talk about all of it. And I see what you're saying. Yeah. The, there's so many different ways that it could manifest in kids of different ages. So we're talking about kids of all ages here. Yeah. So
2: you kind of know when something just doesn't feel right. Like when you're starting to wonder like, what's going on here? Um, And I, I think most parents right now are having a soul fever. So there's just also a lot of opportunity here for compassion. Like it's, there's a lot of resilience and the number one thing you can do for a child during this time is to self-regulate yourself and to manage the connection, connecting rather than controlling. That's going to be just like you're guiding northern light out of this way, your north star, Um, rather than I've got to control, I've got to, you know, clench my fists and make this happen. That's just not what's appropriate during such a tumultuous and um, upheaval time.
1: I love that, connecting rather than controlling. That's a nice easy way to think about it. So but thank you for that. I need that quick. Yeah,
2: and it, it still happens with me and I'm, I'm 50 and have teenagers and there are still moments where I think, oh my gosh, I, I want this specific outcome. It's not happening. How can I force it more? And then I remember, oh wait, I subscribe to the parenting philosophy of choosing the relationship when in doubt. And that that's the long-term philosophy is I want these kids to want to come back for Thanksgiving. I want these kids to be able to tell me when they've been involved in something high risk because they can trust that I will stay calm and grounded. So yeah, it's connection over control and it's when in doubt, choose the relationship.
1: I love that. I can immediately think of how that would manifest with my four-year-old, for instance, and how when I do try to do the quick version but controlled something like bribery or how can i manipulate the situation to have her do what i want um but what works so much better is when i take the time to get on her level talk to her and connect and to be honest we usually get a much better better result that way but sometimes that's hard to remember in the moment
2: <laughs> yes it is and and one thing about soul fear, going back to it another way to frame it is it's a cumulative stress reaction which just means There's more stressors than a person has coping skills to manage. That's what cumulative stress is. It's um, the dog died, um, school got canceled, mom is not as available anymore and is always waving me away while she's on the phone. Those are all the stressors. And then over on the other side is, but I've been through this before. I have resilience or I know how to ask for what I want. Those are all the, the coping skills. And frankly, children don't have a lot in that column. So if it's a simple equation, they've got more stressors right now than they have coping skills and that's what results in a soul fever. But what I'm excited to talk about today is there's four ways to heal that inflammation in your home to to reduce the stress and raise up the coping skills.
1: Wonderful. So let's dive into those. So what is the what can we do specifically?
2: Okay, so there are four ways and I'll just tell you there and none of them are specific to like how you show up with your kid or parent or your communication style. That's a whole nother topic. This is really about what's the environment you're creating for the child. Um, And so the four areas that we can simplify and hopefully do less in are the environment, um, transitions, the schedule and adult content. And I just want to caveat here. If you're listening to this, this is not about shame or thinking, oh, I don't do any of these. Nope, we don't. That's not helpful. Instead, I want you to bring that most sage part of you to say, I will choose one of these and I will focus on it for the next 30 days and bring some intention to it. We can't do everything at once. Small doable changes are what moves a ship To the right direction. So, should we dive into the first one, which is the environment?
1: The environment. Yes, that sounds great.
2: Okay, so this is literally the most concrete thing that you can simplify. And it's the influence of just too much stuff and how to deal with that. And it's the easiest realm of the four to make some headway in and get some quick results. Um, I'm sure you've watched like Tidying Up or Red Marie Kondo and you know that power of the before and after. And so, just imagine. How relationships might shift if you tidied up the home, if everything had a place and there was more spaciousness because that spaciousness in the environment, that empty space translates into how folks communicate with each other. Um, Every item that we have has like an energy that speaks to us. And sometimes there's so many things on the counter. We can't think clearly because they're loud and it's exhausting. And we are wired, especially females, to visually scan our environment. So if you're hearing this and going, yes, I know, just choose one area where you can clear it out and reduce the clutter because that clutter is just delayed decisions. And as you decrease the quantity of children's toys and their visual clutter, you increase their attention and their capacity for deep play. And as people probably know, deep play is the therapy for children. So the less toys, the deeper the play, which is a little bit like, wait, what? Aren't I helping my kid by giving them so much? But no, we, we want to make just a few things that totally ignites them. So maybe it's as simple as having a toy rotation library where you have a opaque bucket and you put everything but maybe five to eight toys and watch as the play becomes less about organizing all the tchotchkes and more about like creating imaginary scenarios. Um, Do you want a few more examples of that?
1: I love that one. That is so true. And I'm connecting it to, I'm thinking about how that's worked in my home. I, we, we had, I used to live in a tiny home. We had hardly any toys. And now suddenly you get a bigger house. And like they all say, like Marie Kondo says, you fill the space you have, you put stuff on the, on the shelves if they exist. And so I, I, I have have definitely seen a difference in the way my kids play when it's organized and clean. And when there's actually less going on, when there's too much, they just want their iPad. They want to go run to the couch.
2: (laughs) So they're even like when you, when you're fighting over what to wear with the child, then it's time to put away the items you don't want them to wear. Like sometimes we just forget that we are empowered, that we can use our home to help us parent. So get rid of the out of season Clothes, rather than fight about how they shouldn't be wearing shorts in winter.
1: Exactly, just have less options. It's that goes to that decision fatigue thing that we deal with, and they they deal with as well. I I love that one, and it's it's a it's almost giving parents a permission to focus on something that they may be wanting to. Having the kids around is often an excuse to not tidy the home or put things away, but using the kids as the reason to do it is, um, might be the permission, some need to, to focus on that again. So I love that.
2: Yeah. And, a, and one way to specifically do that is to say, Hey child, I would like to know what your five favorite playthings are. And I want to give them this special space here. Can we go around and you show me? And that's sort of a nice way of connecting as well. And that gives you some permission to put the other ones away. But I will say I've been doing this in people's homes and I'm part of a network of certified um, Simplicity Parenting counselors. And generally you don't do it in front of the children. You um, you know, as the adults, and this is where I am talking about children, probably seven and under, you know, the treasured objects, you know, the things that have life and sometimes putting them away for 30 days and bringing them out brings more life um, and more um, energy to that toy. So feel comfortable. I, I've had so many um, situations where a kid um, stopped playing Legos because their, le- their room became A monument or a museum to what they had created, but it was no longer a play space. So there is something powerfully magical that happens when you clear off a play table and it is just a creation space.
1: That is wonderful. It makes me excited to prioritize some January cleaning (laughs) this weekend. Do it. And now it makes me excited to dive into the second one. I'm so curious. So the second one was transitions.
2: Yes. So We want to make, if you think about it, all the inappropriate behavior and the big emotions always comes at a transition. Like, come on, it's time to wake up or now it's stop that, it's time to get dressed. Now it's time to eat, stop that. We got to clean up. Hey, we're leaving the house. All drop off errands, homework, dinner, going to bed. Every one of those is where the big feelings generally happen. So we want to add as much rhythm and predictability to the transitions in our home. And and that helps us as adults because the more predictable our schedule and our moments become, the easier it is for us to not have to use so much emotional and like brain bandwidth to handle it. So how do you do that? You add moments of pause and connection as part of each transition, and that kind of releases the tension um so when we do add rhythm like Trans, like, I we always use this toothbrush, we always um, take our shoes off, whatever it is, the more it becomes a rhythm, discipline gets easier and less parental kind of verbiage is needed, less effort. Like, the goal is like someone comes over to your house at some point in the future to have dinner, and your child is. Like, you know, you're late because we, we always set the table and then we, um, we, we get water from here. And then so-and-so says a blessing. Like the more your child is clued into this is what we do, the more their whole system can relax. It, it's they know the rhythm of what's coming next. You know, and that is the secret to kindergarten. If you ever watch a great kindergarten teacher, it's like, first we do this, then we do that. And a great place to start is like, if your mornings are really rough, then set out your clothes the night before have pull some of the, um, the unknowing out of the next morning and the night before say, would you like to wear these pants or these pants? Okay, great. We'll lay them right here. Also part of adding, um, some rhythm is like, as simple as like, maybe it's hard to get everybody at the dinner table, like light a candle at the dinner table. And suddenly it's like, ooh, you've elevated a transition to feel more like a ritual. If if somebody's struggling to go to sleep because they have some anxiety, you can add a rhythm of having like a romantic preview of the day ahead. And maybe you don't know everything, but you can say something like tomorrow when we wake up, I know I will give you a long six second hug. And you'll probably say, mommy, no more hugs. (laughs) And then we'll have oatmeal, you know, and, and actually why I'm on that one way to create um, very simplified transition is to just have a set thing that is for breakfast each day. You know, Mondays we have oatmeal, Tuesday we have eggs. I don't like eggs that much. Oh, I'm sorry. You'll love Wednesday when we have pancakes. So taking, uh, people are always like, oh, give your preschooler a choice, to a limit, there's ways to get empower them, but the more there is a structure that you can be creative within the right. um, the less inflammation.
1: That makes a lot of good sense because the, yeah, the transitions thing is hot button, especially for those younger ages, you know, they'll just freak out the minute you say, hurry, hurry, hurry. We got to get our shoes on to go outside. They do not want to be hurried. They don't want, you um, rushing them along in those transition moments, so the
2: more yeah, the, the childhood, the pace of childhood, it does not understand rush. That's you know, ch- our children are a slow unfurling of their being, the hurry is a totally adult situation oh. that they don't speak
1: exactly. That's that's a toughie, but I and I'm. it's it's so interesting to to hear that. And there's so many transitions. So I love the idea of going through those transitions in your day and thinking about the ways that you can decrease that, um, that hurry and and stress of what's coming. And I can
2: think of it as like, you want to like pour some honey on it. So maybe think about what is the transition that is most troublesome right now. And First off, write down the steps of it, because if you can't articulate what the steps are to get out the door or get to bed, then they sure as heck can't. So be sure you know what the steps are. And then think about how do you add, maybe it's the magic of song, like it's time to brush your teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or adding playfulness. Like there's nothing like that to break up resistance.
1: I love that. Yes. The one our, the one in our family needing a little help is dinner. And I'm already thinking I love the idea, you know, candle would be funny, because it actually would draw my kids to the table, all they would want to do is blow it out. (laughs) But I like the idea that would get them over to the table. And, you know, it's good. It's a good reminder to um, put a little bit of structure around that. So thank you. I love that. Um, And the next one was all about simplifying the schedule. So and I'm thinking about a lot of people that are probably facing just changes in their schedule or at least have a lot over the last year. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about that.
2: Yeah. And here, like there's been a bit of a COVID blessing for some of us in that we have had to slow down and pull things off the schedule because that can be a very inflamed area adding to a child's stress. Specifically, if it's like super stimulating day, we're going to watch a monster truck rally and have dinner with family. And you're going to have to sit at a chair at a restaurant for two hours. And then the next day, instead of having that be a low arousal day and a day of sort of building back up their social immunity, if the very next day we're like, and now we're going to two babies, two birthday parties. And don't forget, um, we got to go do the grocery shopping. So, in the pre-pandemic time, I would have said, like, make sure that your days
0: alternate.
2: Highly stimulating day, super restful day. Like, put rest and downtime and just being as a family. Elevate that and calendarize that. Because we intuitively know that slowing down nourishes our soul. And I think some of that early quarantine time we saw that it was like, oh, wow, here we are actually all together. We're not rushing our kid to a sport or to this thing. So some of that has been beautiful. Um, But a a child who doesn't experience leisure time, sort of doing nothing, being offline, is going to be an adult who's always looking for external stimulation, activities, entertainment. And I mean, if we take it to the full um, extreme, it's somebody more prone to addiction if they're, if the structure of their life has always been set up by somebody outside of themselves. So I'll just say here in the schedule is allow for boredom. It is okay to have nothing planned and, um, to have your child have to figure out what they'll do within that space. Mom, what are we doing today? We're doing nothing. We're hanging out as a family. Although I think I will make soup for lunch. Uh, okay. Um, but what am I going to play? I don't know. What will you play? So you don't have to be the cruise director. You don't have to figure it out because there is so much development of self that happens when a child has to figure them that out for themselves. I mean, obviously you have play things there. Maybe you want to put out some paints in an area, or maybe you don't. I'm not big at messy things. Um, but I want you to become the most boring thing in that house and no longer be the cruise director.
1: That is something I should put on a banner in my house. <laughs> That's a good one, and it's so funny because thinking back, um, I, I agree with you that it's been a one of the blessings of COVID has been this for everyone being forced to slow down a little. And I think back to the early days of COVID when many um, people in my position, for example, were really taking that cruise director strategy of, "Oh, my kids are home all day, so I'm." quote unquote, teaching them from home. And I have to have this long, intense toddler schedule trying to emulate what they would have done in school, for example. Um, but that was exhausting. And you know, we we're trying to do every activity under the sun, but that-, that was like the seven stages of grief. Cause we all started busting out our schedules and making this like militant Nazi hour by hour. And then we all let them go. And then we were like, wait a second, wait a second, this isn't going to work for seven months or whatever, (laughs) it kept going on and on. So, um, this is a really, a really great one because I, I have somehow embraced that simplicity as well. And it, and it works. It's wonderful when we have those quiet days and we get to follow the kids lead and, um, and it's a great reminder to, to do that. So thank you. Thank you for your permission to not. Yes, be this director my this permission.
2: And let me say, not only do you have my permission, but please expect some upset between boredom and creativity Yes. for my kids. It was a good 20 minutes of like, well, what are we supposed to do? Why can't we be on screens? We, it was about 20 minutes of that. And it feels uncomfortable in your stomach to witness that and to deal with their upset. It makes you just want to okay, fine, go do this thing that, you know, go get on a screen or here's the, um, instead just allow it and trust that about 20 minutes beyond that is some amazing game. You never would have come up with on your own that is healing them. You know, suddenly you're going to hear, no, I don't like you. Well, I don't like you. And that's like them playing dolls, working out something that happened to them a year ago. It's good, good stuff. So allow it.
1: I love that. Okay, that's my that's the one I'm choosing. I, I already know that's my choice for this weekend is to focus on that. Um, so thank you for that. So there's a fourth way, and I'm so curious about this one: simplifying adult content. So can you talk about that?
2: Yes. Yeah, so this is like always the last because it's most the divisive one and the most difficult. But what what I'm calling adult information is the influence of media and screens on your family life. Um, But it's also conversations and subject matters that you choose to explore in the earshot of your child. So kind of figuring out at what age are they ready to manage the same media that you can manage? Like, do they need to see? And I think we've we've all kind of fallen short on this one because we're all in a state of hyper arousal of like, are we safe? Um, What's happening next in politics? Um, You know, there's been so much sort of violence and drama, that we've wanted to stay connected to it. And I think that that is part of the stress on our children. So an eight year old does not need to know about a mass shooting or catastrophic loss of life. It does, they are not ready for it and they're creating their worldview right now. So think of it as like, we wanna help them look for the helpers as Mr. Rogers used to say, like there is always light and we need to point them to that Um, so that we don't rob them of like a positive outlook on the world that they're inheriting. Their brain is obviously not finished until their twenties. That frontal lobe is not able to process all the adult info. And sometimes that's a news story, same news story played, you know, once every hour doesn't feel, they don't realize it's the same to them. That's an additional shooting each time Hmm. or it's, it's happening again. So they can't, um, they can't make sense of it. So we want to sort of be the sheriff of the screens and we want to have very different conversations in front of an elementary school student that we would in front of a preschooler or a middle schooler. Of course. And I think um, sometimes that can be talking about money problems. A child does not need to know that um, there are money problems. That's a stress they can't do anything about. Um, It it also means if we go to the screen part, sort of modeling your own independence from screens, like, what does it look like for you to wonder about something without Googling it? Right. To actually not immediately go find the answer, but to allow your brain to sort of live in it for a little bit. Um, So what I would encourage folks to do is if screens have gotten a little out of control and you're not sure it's that you have a good relationship with screens with your kid, then just create some islands of screen-free time, some either times of the day or places where there will be no screens. That's a good place to start. Like for instance, in our house, um, kids are not, we have teenagers, but they are not allowed to charge their phones at night in their bedrooms. They come to a public spot that I check in and there's really no good that comes from a teenager having um, access to the internet at night. Um, They, studies have shown they wake up just to check in and see how their social media is or to play a video game. So um, yeah, having those islands of screen free time and no screen zones and just monitoring what topics are we talking about with kids?
1: I do love that one. And of course I'm just buzzing thinking about potential topics that spin off of this, we could have a whole episode about the difficulties of figuring out what to, how, how to introduce children. And when, with all of the craziness happening this year, a lot of kids are getting, um, brought, you know, some tough conversations are coming up much earlier and in a totally different way. And so Mm -hmm. I'm really curious about all that. And I'm really, um, for example you know i have got the really young children and we don't really keep the news on or anything like that so it's the opposite of the simplicity conversation so that's why i say it'll be for another time perhaps but i'm keep wondering how i do introduce some of these difficult conversations and introduce them to what's happening in the world um but to do it well, my favorite
2: way to do that just as quick aside is finding a nutritious picture book there there are some beautiful books um and maybe we'll put them in the show notes um, when I go look at them, that kind of normalize all the weirdness of the pandemic Mm -hmm. or educate on racial equality in a way that doesn't feel preachy, um, but gives you the words the same with um, talking about how babies are born or divorce. There are so many beautiful books to read. And then you don't have to manage your face and make sure your tone of voice isn't somehow um, communicating your own anxiety. You just read through this book with your child and nurture yourself and them.
1: That's right. I love that. That's books are good for everything. And yes, you hit on one of them that's been important to me is the raising an anti-racist child, you know, the including um, not shying away from that conversation, but just making it appropriate for that four-year-old level. She's so curious about everything. So she soaks it in. I got to get it right the first time. Otherwise, <laughs> that's how I feel sometimes because she soaks it in like a sponge. Um, so well, the- let me just push back
2: on that because i um, <laughs> Think of think of difficult topics that are complex and and take adults a while to to get as more like a a, a an annual pass to Disneyland rather than a one time shot. You better go on every single road and you or ride and you better make sure that you get your money's worth. Nope, we get to go visit that subject anytime we want. So just a little bit here and a little bit there, and almost like I'm going to switch my metaphor now, like how you drip um, water to a plant that needs to slowly absorb it. That's how they are. And we sort of need to follow their lead. They get overwhelmed with too much information.
1: Okay. I like that. That makes it more, um, feel more approachable (laughs) too. So that's great. Um, well, I, I love that one. So thank you so much for going over those four ways to simplify our children's life. I am so excited to learn more and, um, just really marinate on those. So thank you very much. Um, I know that all of our listeners will be excited to learn more as well and hopefully hear from you. So can you share with us how we can engage with you?
2: Yeah, I am all over Instagram. Every day I post a tip for being your best version of um, a great parent. And so there's lots of content there, whether it's on sibling rivalry or my My heart's calling, which is handling spicy and uh, spirited children and strong willed children, and sort of how do you show up and what's the sort of spiritual journey you're on to to allow them to be them while still having a calm, peaceful home. So, Instagram's a great place. It's just my name, Mary Van Geffen. And I also have something for your audience, which is a PDF I created on how to stay calm when your child is acting crazy. So it's sort of a downloadable step-by-step process. And um, that should be in your, where do you guys post that?
1: Yeah, we'll have that in the show notes and in our in our post when we launched this episode. So that is such a gift. Thank you. I can't wait to see that and put it to good use. I'm sure my kids are spicy. I don't know if I mentioned that.
2: <laughs> but didn't it? it's so good to hear a fellow spicy mom. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much. Um, and on behalf of our listeners, we're really appreciative of that. And um, we'll make sure to link to that and everything else we mentioned in the show. And I have learned so much. So just thank you for being here. Um, My pleasure. We hopefully will talk again, Mary. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you for tuning into this episode of SHINE, inspiring conversations around children, family, and early child development. This podcast is presented to you by Catalyst Family, Inc., parent company of Catalyst Kids. Catalyst is the largest nonprofit childcare organization in California, and we encourage children's unique development through play-based learning, support busy families through quality care, and strengthen communities by providing a safe place for every child to thrive, offering daycares, preschools, and after-school programs, camps, and beyond. Find us at CatalystKids.org.
1: Please subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and connect with us. You can find us at catalystkids.org shine.